Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers! Last time on Dungeon Drunks. Zucchini. After securing a teleportation circle in the middle of the Isle of Dread, the Heralds have returned to Elderwood, the only town on this lonely island in the middle of the endless ocean that is the Plain of Water. After a long rest and an enjoyable morning giving away some of the many, many, many pounds of zucchini that Carlton has grown, they have headed to the house of Baca. She is the official welcoming committee for the town and has informed the group she wants to chat with them about their plans to transport letters and maybe people back to the material plane, as well as details about their ultimate goal, find the legendary Olam Harp. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I have some bourbon, again, in my lovely lovely glass with the stones and everything. So this is a different bourbon than I have I have had, and Luke and I splurge quite a bit on this. In fact, if it hadn't been on sale, we might not have bought it, but I was recommended recently by a co-worker of mine at D&D Beyond, uh, a very wonderful person who not only recommended this to me, but also half jokingly said that if I ever wanted to get a weekend worth of dev work out of him, that the way to do it was to ask nicely and offer some of Jefferson's Reserve, which is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey in a very small batch. And I'm going to send a picture off to Jules because it's a very elegant little bottle and it is not cheap. This is basically all of the money that we would have spent doing things for the holidays. I'm not going to say all the money. No, that's that's a huge exaggeration. But like the reason I was I justified this expense is because we are going nowhere and doing nothing for the holidays to be safe. So we spent a little bit more than we normally do on an incredibly nice bourbon. So cheers unto you. Bernie, what are you drinking? I had cake today. Very, very, very rich cake. And if I add uh, beer to it, I'll probably feel a little sick. So I have tea tonight. But I do want to shout out the cake that I did have. We got uh, Claire Saffitz's dessert person. Mm. And we're not being paid to say this it's an amazing book. It's really cool. If you want to make desserts, highly recommend. Uh, last week, last Sunday was Stephen's birthday. So we made her chocolate cake with her cream cheese chocolate icing. Ooh. And let me tell you, this was, to quote the king of town, this was some good cake. Um, <laughs> this was not a cardboard box covered in maple syrup. Um, <laughs> this was so good and actually really, really, really easy to make. And like I said, I kind of like really rich foods. I can like I love them, but I we're all in our 30s. Hey, guess what? This is where your life is going. If you didn't know, can get really sick very easily from that. So I'm having some wonderful chocolatey chai tea instead. And I highly recommend um, if you Ooh. were still in COVID baking mode, which I am, that you find this recipe and bake it. And I don't care whose birthday it is. It doesn't have to be anyone's birthday. I'm not allowed birthday. to buy the book until after Christmas for just in case. <laughs> for just in Yes, yes, no. I uh, almost bought it for Stephen for a Christmas present and it showed up at our house. And I was like, I did not, I didn't buy this. And Stephen was like, I got a dessert person. I was like, 
my my wonderful husband whom I adore, who is so he's thoughtful, a good egg. likes to buy the things he wants just because if he's got the money and he thinks it'll be okay and it's under his, you know, like he's he doesn't think about the fact that I need to get him gifts for a December that includes his birthday, Hanukkah, and Christmas. That is true. We are recording this on the first night of Hanukkah. So hug Samea, everybody. By the time Samea. this comes out. Hug Samea. By the time this comes out, Hanukkah will be over because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have a little bit of a, a leeway, but, but because anyway, yes. Time. I, uh, mm. Because time. Because time. Because we try to, we, we try to have a little bit of a backlog in, in case of emergencies. But more to your point, I can respect Stephen's way of thinking as I think the same thing and so does Luke. <laughs> I, it's one of those weird things where you're like, I, yeah, he's like, my, my dad does the same thing. And you would think that 33 years of my life trying to get gifts for my father would have prepared me for a person who lives the same way. But like, nope, he doesn't want a lot of stuff. He's not a stuff person. He likes to do detailed research and buy the thing he wants after like six weeks of research and finding the exact right time. He knows exactly when the best time to buy a new TV is. Like, these are Steven's traits. He's very good at not only getting the best quality thing, but getting the best quality thing for your money. There's nothing, no no holidays for me to get him anything right before the Super Bowl. So, sorry, you need to pick another <laughs> time to buy fucking TV. Like, it's just like, <laughs> I love him dearly, but he is not a materialistic person, and sometimes that's a problem. <laughs> when going for gifts, absolutely. But y- you know who's... Who's awesome? There, I have no transition. Carlton, what are you drinking? Hey, this is John. I play Carlton. And it has been a number of years since I've had an adult beverage on this show. So tonight, I have an adult beverage. I have 32 ounces of Swiss Miss Hot Cocoa with extra marshmallows. Okay, you made us all very nervous for a moment. <laughs> Super adult, Whoa. yeah. Hey, adults can drink this too. Uh, Hot chocolate is the Delicious. Best. It is awesome. But I did have that moment of like, you know 2020 is bad terrible don't get me wrong it is the fucking worst but i am still sober over three years so i am enjoying my hot chocolate in this cool december night they all have such lovely like warming beverages for for a cold season i mean when i say like cool it's like 60 degrees because i live in texas and i forgot that it was still gonna be warm today but i was like i'm gonna have hot chocolate on thursday listen it's all relative and also, we're about to find out, do our last two uh, guests, mystery guests, when they sign in, please, have the same kind of drink, Travancore? What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is Twinnings Black Tea Pomegranate Delight. Yes, it is a hot beverage. <laughs> Ooh, I knew it, because he already texted me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I wish and I put a second tea bag in here, because I used a lot of water, but... uh. That sounds really good. It is pretty yummy. Unfortunately, I was not able to get my beautiful Travancore honey from uh, the Coney Eco Tourist Elephant Reserve open because it's stuck Aww. good. And uh, I got muscles. I'm not weak, but uh, I this thing is jammed. So I had to put a little bit of sugar in it instead, which is something I do with my tea usually. But but every once in a while, like for, especially with the masala chai, a little bit of sugar really brings out the rest of the flavors. So I'm loving this. I'm enjoying it. I think I'm on a tea kick for the time being. Nice. I've done not sugar, but uh, some whiskeys that I've had, especially some of the, the really nice bourbons, just putting like a tiny splash of water in it helps a lot. And it sounds so 
opposite, especially if you've got a really nice bourbon of like, I, I don't want to dilute this. I don't even like I have whiskey stones specifically so that the ice cubes don't dilute it. But that's actually a very normal thing. So I think, yeah, if you a little sugar in something, a little honey, if it's going to enhance the flavor and make you enjoy it more, then 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 go for it. Yeah, I have. I was going to say I have beet sugar for my tea. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Oh, yeah, that's a good option. I love that whiskey stone sounds like a quest item. And it's something I want to get in either this game or some future game at some point. I, I will write that down. I whiskey. feel like whiskey stone is what some kind of alcohol golem passes instead of kidney. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> it could also be like a west, a western, the setting of a like a western series, like uh, ain't get a lot of lawmen and don't get a lot of lawmen and whiskey stone. So Grograck, where were you yesterday? Uh, I was passing a whiskey stone. There's got to be something like that. Can I ask a question? There, There is something like that. You can ask a question after uh, I introduce Jonathan, but I will say, I believe it is canon that purple worms, as they burrow through the earth, poop gems. Mm-hmm. I believe that is canon and not just something that happened in a game of mine. We will get to the question for a moment, so write it down if you're going to forget. But, oh, no, I'm going to uh, remember. First, let me round out our lovely cast with Jonathan. What are you drinking? Hey, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular, and tonight... Old classic, uh, coming back. It is a bottle rocket. It is cola. It is fireball. And tonight's shot of fireball. To be consumed in the first casting of fireball or the equivalent spell thereof. It's dedicated to a filmmaker, Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman. uh, Both Wonder Womans, I think. And she, along with a bunch of other filmmakers, their projects got announced by Disney. And she is helming an X-Wing film. She's helming Rogue Squadron. And we are super duper excited. Patty, we know you're going to knock this out of the park. This fireball shot is for you. I also appreciate that. uh, So Jonathan put in our little chat here, the Twitter announcement from Patty Jenkins, which includes the minute 30 trailer. I don't think it's the right word, but it's basically. No, it's more. It's an announcement. It's an announcement. Yeah, it's an announcement, which I really enjoy because it's, it's it's if you haven't seen it by now, then it's not really a spoiler or anything. It's about a minute worth of her just talking about her dad and what she loves about fighter pilots and then doing something really cool. Yeah. So it's definitely worth I, I think it was a really neat way of announcing the, the project. So definitely go check it out. I also appreciate some of our shirts that we're wearing. I, I, I got to call out. So Jonathan and I are both wearing versions of pride shirts i've got the the pride dragon for the trevor project i've got the the roll pride shirt i believe this is the updated one that they released this year oh cool either one of those are awesome shirts and then our own carlton is wearing the idol champions of the forgotten realm t-shirt that uh the wonderful coding entertainment sent us a bunch of of, a while ago at this point they have been one of our sponsors for a very long time I will say this, though. The only reason it's not the prize shirt is because I wore it yesterday and it's in the wash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a regular awesome rotation. These are regular rotation shirts. Yeah. My dragon and my my rainbow ampersand definitely are. Was the question, can we take a picture or did was the question uh, something else? That was else? a reminder to you all that when we talk about wonderful D&D fashion that we wear, that you can all take selfies because they're all very cute people and I can post them on our Instagram I'll get on for that. people to see. So I've got the lighting and stuff right now. So. Now is an excellent time for it. Is that Monticello on the label of your Jefferson Reserve? You can cut this. I just want to know. It looks like Monticello. I'd be it'd be weird if it wasn't Monticello. I 
do not know. You mean the, the actual picture in the little... Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me as it's I, called Jefferson's Reserve. Yeah. So. I, I figured once I saw the bottle, I went, oh, it's that Jefferson. It's <laughs> that uh, Jefferson, yes. It's that yes. Jefferson. It's that complicated uh, historical figure who... It's well, got a few layers. Yes, got, I like a lot like of an, people. An onion There's good and bad. Yeah. That's been dipped in racism and shaped our ideas about race yep. for an entire country. I think so. And yeah. It looks like Monticello, right? Yeah. It looks okay. like Monticello. So here's the thing. Are we not cutting this now or are we keeping it? Because I'm happy if to If you want to keep it, you can put it in the extra. So here's the cool thing about Monticello. There is an actual wonderful, wonderful group of archaeologists that work on Monticello and have been doing massive archaeology, but also restoration. And they have been working on finding and unearthing the places and spaces where enslaved people lived and worked in Monticello. So they have been working to expand the narrative and expand the history that's told because the majority of the people that live and work on plantations were black people. The majority of the history that often gets done on plantations is about the white families that lived there. A lot of these families were like absentee landowners. They would own massive tracts of land and they didn't even occupy the space. And yet all the interpretation is about them. So what you do need to do is like go to Monticello when it's safe because they're doing really good work. And they also had a very good, thoughtful, well done exhibit on Sally Hemings recentering her in the story. I think for a lot of people, she's like a punchline in Hamilton. And she's definitely a lot more than that. And that's like not to be shade against Lin-Manuel, but like... There's a lot more there that's definitely worth Hamilton's a great musical. There's still problems with it. This is one of them. But definitely it's it, it's worth a listen to both the musical as well as reading about the history. And hey, if you've got What Did I Miss going through your head right now... And then you're also Googling stuff about Monticello, the real place. I think that's that's all a good thing. You know what's also a good thing? Guara, your tortle companion guide, welcoming committee, wonderful, ancient for a tortle, helper, lady. <laughs> there, is that enough adjectives, adjectives to describe a PC who lives in my head? She has come to collect you from your zucchini excursion from your zucchini distribution the the zucchini distribution center and has invited you for lunch at her office slash house you're you get the sense this is where she also lives that there's probably a place somewhere where she's got a cot and some uh kitchen supplies or something uh there are doors in this large room the central area that you've been brought to another time but the vast majority of this space are the multiple large pillows on the floor and the wall lined with bookshelves and books and as you come for lunch she has laid out for you on i don't know if there's a term for this but those really short TV tray style trays that have the the really short legs that basically sit over your lap so that if you're sitting on the floor or on a couch or something, you can have a space to eat. She's got a couple of those so that you can sit in the comfortable pillows that are all over the hardwood floor. And she has laid out for you a meal that is a grilled fish and some light um, sweet fruits 
they seem to be like a, a mango, but you're unsure. And the fish is very lightly and nicely prepared. Also, none of you are quite sure what it is. It's it's you're you have a fillet, you don't have the whole fish there, and it's just seasoned very nicely with a little bit of salt and pepper and maybe a little bit of something slightly spicy. You're not once again not quite sure. Everything tastes familiar, but is obviously a native to this plane of existence and this this island. And she has everything already laid out for you. So as you sit down and dig in, she says, So I don't know exactly everything that happened while you were gone with Quat, but I I heard from the basic report that he submitted that it was very exciting and you were able to find the teleportation circle that you were interested in. Yeah, we fought a volcano. He mentioned that too. Quat can be very excited and so i wasn't sure if that was something that he was just saying because he got very excited about being near that volcano but oh, no we actually fought it yeah essentially accurate see look yeah, can i like point that... to like a still healing burn mark oh there were elementals made of is it magma or lava i don't really know that's a question for jonathan <laughs> they were there just a lot of burning a lot of burning. I mean, that's usually what happens around a volcano, but uh, I'm glad to hear that you you all seem okay, and he seemed okay. He had a couple of patches on him that were, you know, uh, worrying, but healed, and so that was good. Jonathan, Guara looks at you as she pauses for a second, and it is incredibly obvious she's about to explain the difference between magma and lava, but you've been called out as an expert and is, and so she is pausing to look at you to see if you want to keep talking. Uh, no, go ahead. You're good. Bertie just assumes anything science-y, Jonathan knows the answer to. <laughs> or fire. Jo- Jonathan's yeah. not, Jonathan the Muscular is not going to interrupt. He's going to, he's going to, no, 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 continue. You're good. I okay. Have a lot of things under Jonathan knows this, even if he doesn't. <laughs> but he is—he has uh, succeeded on his kindness check, and so Guara will go on to say, uh, "Well, I believe that lava is the 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 molten stuff. Is if it's still come out of the volcano, and magma is when it's still inside." But what do you call it if it's got corporeal form? It uh, depends on the form, I. Yes, an elemental of some elemental. sort. About big, this wide. <laughs> I start describing like elemental sizes. I mean, is it lava? The skin, I guess, would be lava in that case, and then the insides would be magma if we're kind of continuing with. But the whole of it is outside of the volcano, which would make the entire thing lava. Yes, if it were inside the volcano, still perhaps it would be a magma elemental. I believe that is accurate, but, you know, did you get a chance to ask the elementals anything? Or did, or was it just they, a yeah, they, they, they asked they us questions with their fists. Our exchange was not, did not lend itself to uh, a hearty exchange of ideas. More it's of an exchange. of a martial conversation. Yes. Okay. Well, then I am glad that you are all okay. If there is anything else that I can help with that, let me know. But mostly I just wanted to talk about some of the reactions that I've had amongst the town of hearing that you might be able to bring people or letters back to 
the material plane. Specifically, it sounded like you were going back to around Waterdeep, which many of the folks around here who have been transported are from that area. That's where one of the more major storms that tends to deposit people come from, but not everybody. Is it Now, is this still something you're interested in doing? Oh, yes. Uh, Jonathan the Muscular. once we're done with our mission with uh, the Gem Dragon, uh, would be happy to make several trips over a few days. And Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to going to go into a little bit of the particulars, how he would come back, stay a night, and then return and uh, to, to recharge. So every trip takes two days. Okay, that would be something that I can help to arrange. So word has started to spread, and I can't say that everybody has been told of what's going on. We, we have had uh, seven people who right away have volunteered to go back. Uh, unsurprisingly, those are some of the seven that have arrived in the last year. They probably are the most aching to go back since it, they just got transported. But definitely... Well, let me show you. And she slowly gets up as she's finished her meal. And as as you are finishing, she gets up from her seated position and walks to one of the doors and opens it and uh, walks inside, leaving the door open. And you can just barely see from the angle that you're at a tiny hallway uh, that leads somewhere. But she's back very quickly with a rather large sack. It is up about the size of of her torso as a turtle and it is brimming with as she pulls out to show you letters no packages but a lot of letters and she says vast majority of people who have been stranded here even though many of them have decided to stay because they've built a life here or they've been here longer than they were there or for a variety of reasons but most have someone or some ones that they wanted to contact and let know especially now that it seems like there might be more uh, usual travel and controlled travel so I, I do have quite a collection uh, apparently a lot of people were excited enough to spend most of the evening penning something and she drops the bag and while it is not a heavy bag it is filled with letters and you kind of hear the the shuffle and the of a bag full of paper okay so i don't know how soon you'd be going back i don't know how much longer this uh, encounter with with the dragon is going to take but i certainly at first have a people-sized bag of letters to send back okay well that sort of settles what the plan is going to be uh, i was thinking of after we de dealt with the dragon and hopefully came away with the harp uh that we would leave right away from where we were but what we'll do is we'll make sure to come back here first Oh, that would be excellent. Then you could at least go back with whatever letters that we have and any and how many people can you take at a time? Uh Jonathan the Match Muscular can currently transport eight. So the first couple, you may want to have a little lottery, or maybe anyone who has a special need may need to go back for whatever reason, uh quicker than the others. Uh because obviously the first trip is going to be everyone here, the whole uh heralds. Well, maybe we do like the healthcare workers first, uh, then those with underlying conditions, you know, something like that. I can uh, always stay back a day, stay uh, back a day as well. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. But uh, Carlton, I think we need to get you. We need to get us home first, 
and then then we can worry about people who who uh we can worry about everyone else but no you're coming back and everyone here is coming back in the first wave and then uh we'll take the lucky three that i've got room spare for uh actually before i go on let me double check that that number is accurate sure train shift let's see you do also have to include shadow in that oh wait actually hang on it's you it's me and eight so it's total of nine so we can Ah. take four Okay. I think we should leave it up to the community. 100%. I think they they should decide who those initial four will be. Well, if you are pretty confident that when you get back from this dragon that the, the transportation back and forth is going to be steady, then I don't think there's going to be any problems. I think it'll just we'll probably just draw straws or something. There's nobody with a pressing need who... Ha- couldn't seem to wait another day obviously anyone who's been here uh, they thought that they were here forever so this is all a happy surprise to them so uh, but i'll go ahead and and get that all figured out so that by the time you're ready to go we know who and when and where and why and how at least for that initial sending as as you go back and then we can we can go from there depending on what makes the most sense and well we're more than happy to be guided by your needs in this as well because we do understand that this is you are doing a, a great service for us and and these people who want to go back to the sword coast and so we'll we'll do what's best for everybody we here at dungeon drunks are huge fans of idol champions of the forgotten realms it's a dungeons and dragons strategy video game that brings together DD characters from novels adventures and multiple live streams in a single grand adventure and it is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from companions of the hall high rollers c team silver and steel and more I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idol Champions, we're fortunate to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. The code for this week expires on January 10th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. F-E-N-I-C-O-W-K-Z-A-C-K So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got for your champions. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. It sounds like you're going to be going after Scylla Gurlath pretty quickly. I think we should leave tomorrow. Okay. We we were hoping to gather, maybe find something aside from the teleportation circle, or the, yeah, the teleportation circle that we could use for leverage or bargaining your community was most generous in giving us some boons and in exchange for our zucchini carlton good job on that there are quite a few people here who've been here for a while who have stuff that they needed in their old life that they don't need anymore and certainly while zucchini may not seem like a big deal it's the the thought that counts and so i can totally understand why people would be excited but what that gives us is that gives us a little bit of treasure that we may be able to bargain for the harp with. Because this dra- we're going to have to give something to this dragon for the harp. Or we're going to have to fight it. I would rather bargain. Jonathan the Magimuscular is not looking for a fight here, especially against a dragon of that power. But we need that harp. 
Well, I'm not going to be able to help you on the bargaining front. None of our people have ever been able to talk to it. In fact, most of the time when anyone has encountered it, it has been... Grouchy is the term that has come up. It doesn't seem to want to talk. Crikey. It seems to... Ornery. Impatient. Uh, is it ornery because it has all them teeth and no toothbrush? <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> oh my God. Mama said... Mama said it's Mama said. got all that teeth and no, no toothbrush. Oh, Medulla. Oblongata. <laughs> Silver girl, where are you? Yeah, this is how I get murdered. <laughs> oh my god. Bernie's gonna look at Carlton and say, when we get there, if that dragon has bad breath, do not bring up his oral hygiene, because he might very well be ornery because he has all those teeth and no toothbrush. Actually, that would work really well for us if he just had bad oral hygiene and like lost a lot of teeth, honestly. <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular could actually pr- probably provide some dental hygiene, some prestidigitation along the uh, along the gum line in between each tooth. Happily do that in exchange for the hug. Does your prestidigitation cure halitosis? No, but at least it would get rid of plaque in... Uh, and uh, build up hmm. uh, on the teeth. So, all those who have seen Silver Garlap, they say that he's got all of his teeth. I do not know the condition of his teeth. Uh, as I said, fortunately, he doesn't seem to be so overly aggressive as to want to attack anybody who isn't in his way. All of those who have been attacked have mostly been those who were on a ship that was transported from the material plane and brought here, and then they just happened to be between him and whatever was on the ship. So he doesn't seem to be at least overtly dangerous, I guess. And he's never attacked the town. He's never threatened us in any way in all of the annals of my history. And she motions towards the racks and racks and racks of books going back hundreds of years. In fact, it seems like he avoids most encounters with anybody. He seems to be very antisocial, which... You know what? If you have to share an island with a dragon, that's probably the best kind that you want. Oh, agree. Interesting. Hmm. I wonder. It's very interesting. Is the magic of the dragon linked to the storms? I don't know. I am really unsure. I know the little that we know about him is that he does have some control over at least the weather around his lair. And does have some water abilities, but we've never seen him create a storm, so I can't say for sure. Okay. I just wondered, it would, I mean, I guess it would be weird for a dragon that doesn't like people to keep bringing people, but if he likes stuff, and most dragons like stuff, Dravencore? Well, he, he, he'll tell us once he's back from the bathroom. Uh, you need to jiggle the handle a little bit. Sorry. That it's amazing that you guys have such advanced plumbing in this island. Bravo. Oh, we had a couple of, of wonderful I mean, they're people. surrounded by water. You think they would have some good plumbing? Oh, we had a couple of very smart people from Eberron who've been unfortunately stranded here. And they, they know a lot about advanced plumbing. We, we don't quite have the wiring that they want, but, you know, we've been able to make things work. Well, Jonathan the Magimuscular flexes as he raises a hand. Wiring? 
Yeah, apparently there's a, a metal rod that you can use to conduct electricity from one place to another to cause things to happen. I might be getting that wrong. It's been a while since one of the people explained wiring to me. But yeah, I've never seen it myself. As I said, we don't quite have the same facilities here as they do on Eberron. Wire. What kind of things? Because I can mostly, I can. Bernie uses a cantrip to make something happen and she goes, see, I don't need wire for that. Yes, but not everybody has that facility. And so this is something that uh, apparently they can just artifice and have available to everybody all the time. Is this going to be like those hippos with those guns? I didn't like that. I think it is somewhat like those hippos with those guns. They had very weird stuff. so rude. You have rude hippos with guns? What has happened back on the material plane? We briefly explain our encounter with the gif. Guara sits in rapt attention, and then by the time it is over, says, That is... I have no response to that, except that that is one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. And frankly, if it wasn't for all of the stuff that you've already done, I might not even believe it. Ah, Travancore, you're back from the bathroom. Were you able to figure out how to get the plumbing to work? (laughs) It's a three-shell system, is it not? (laughs) (laughs) Bernie says, Yes, dear. Yes, it is. The, and in and, and your head, you're like, oh, God, now we have to wash the shells that we left out as drinking cup. Uh, oh, Brittany no. goes, um, yeah, Travancore, do all dragons like to collect stuff, or is that just a rude stereotype I've been sort of carrying around with me for years? Travancore is going to check for, uh, <laughs> against his knowledge of dragons, his favorite enemy. So a lot of them like to collect s- stuff, people, ideas, stories, Collecting in general seems to be a a thing that dragons like to do. What they collect varies from individuals to whole groups. You suspect that the the stereotypical dragon that likes to collect stuff is mostly because a lot of the more morally dubious dragons, they do not have any problem with just taking what they want and so that is notable people remember and people know about those kind of hordes but it is it is not a trait all dragons share and it is not always stuff in fact you're pretty positive that i'll roll a history check oh hold on history yeah, you're pretty positive that you need to roll me a history check. Okadoka. That's going to be a 13. I'll say that's enough. You're pretty positive the cave dragon that you all encountered and killed didn't actually collect anything. The small horde that it had was offerings that the kobolds had given or left for it. That dragon didn't seem to have a... a compulsion for like there was definitely a a bunch of stuff that the it seemed to like specifically remember a lot of like beetle shells and uh shields that were in the style of 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 that kind of iridescence but the impression you got from your knowledge of cave dragons from your encounter with one it actually wasn't collecting anything. Those were tithes. Those were offerings. Those were things that the kobolds, was, kobolds were leaving for it 
in the way that you would worship a being or tithe to a ruler. So what Bernie is probably remembering is the the more obvious stories, especially of red dragons. Red dragons get all the fame and the glory. I say that. <laughs> Bernie, he says all of that. Oh. And well. Guaro will speak up and say, well, and we can't be sure about Silver Gurlath. Honestly, the only reason that I know his name is because of the history books. I never have had an experience with him. In fact, in the uh, 58 years that I've been on this island and been alive, we have not had a direct encounter with the dragon. It has been the indirect encounters of people who have been washed through the portal and seen him when he has arrived to plunder. And so we, we don't actually know. I know he does like to grab expensive and shiny and interesting objects and does not want to talk to people. Well, that's not good because we're talkers. I'm not saying he's not a talker. I'm just saying he's never wanted to talk to any of us. Maybe we just have not had the right things to talk about. Or, as I have to admit, I suspect think he's just a little crotchety and antisocial. Okay, well, hopefully we'll we'll be able to work with him. So I can say, since uh, you mentioned that this was something that you were going after, I did a little asking around, and while we don't have any specific information on where exactly his lair is, I think you showed a map that Abex had given you, uh, so you know as much as we do about where, but I, I can give you a little more information about the little that we know about that part of the island. You're going to want to be very careful as you go up there. The vast majority of that area is shrouded in fog most of the time, even when there shouldn't be any, which is why we're pretty sure his lair is up there. It's There's something there that's causing the fog that is very unnatural, and that's where we've seen him fly to or from whenever we have spotted him. Uh, all right. How do your spotters note any patterns to when he goes? Is it only for storm to the leaves, or does he leave for any other times? We mostly notice it, it. It's less the storm and more he leaves and he flies out in the direction that any ships that have been brought in through the storm comes. Okay. The storms that happen on the material plane that pull the ships here, the storm isn't here. The ships have just been brought here through it. I don't know how he knows, but he does seem to know. It is... He is often our warning that a ship at least has arrived within his flight range because most of the time when we see him flying overhead within about a day, maybe a little bit more or less, people or debris start to appear as they do. It occasionally happens. We don't get anybody. I mean, there's there's no way to navigate here. And so a lot of the, I think the people or the ships, when they are pulled through, they don't come in this direction. But it seems like when he goes after them that enough know to either follow or that's the direction they try to go in or, or whatever that we, we tend to see the leftovers. Other than that... Uh, I have heard from a couple of hunters when they've been out doing some more deep hunts that every once in a while they'll see him out. What they say hunting is, 
but they've never seen him actually attack anything, so we can't be sure. But he does occasionally leave to fly around and not go directly out into the ocean. But uh, that's about it. I mean, he's a big boy. He's got to eat something. I agree. Is there but enough we vegetation also... on this island to sustain him if he wasn't eating meat? Probably not. However, he does swim. And so it's very possible he is uh, doing any of his hunting in the water. There is endless ocean and very, very big creatures out in the water. Bigger even than a massive dragon like him. Things that I would think even he would avoid. So... What would he avoid? Uh, there's, there's at least the Kraken, which I've only ever heard about. There's a couple of giant squids that I believe rival even his size. I've heard of a few whales that are easily his size or more, but uh, while they are not necessarily meat eaters, they do come in pods and they are very defensive. And who knows what else? I'm, I've lived my entire life on this island, and while I've read most of the stories and heard many of the things... <sighs> There's still so much to this plane I don't know about. That's fair. There's not a lot of space to move around. There is a lot of space if you don't need to breathe or walk. Yeah. We have to do both, unfortunately. Or fortunately. I, you know, it's just a matter of how you live. And I do not know anything about the lair of this dragon, but at least for your sake. He is here on an island. All right. Um, I guess, I guess the plan is just to like be like, "Hey, dragon, we've done this before. It'll be fine." And Bernie's like looking around, like, "Yeah, it'll be fine." She's like, "Right, right." It might behoove us to find something, anything of value that we could part that would give us a better chance of parlaying with him. Yeah, we're gonna use some of that stuff we got. Carlton right. just kind of holds the sword tighter. Look, Carlton, it is your sword, so you can decide what you do with it, but I think the time for finding loot has passed. We need to get this done. Well, I wish I could give you more information about what exactly might appeal to to Silver Girl Laugh, but... His name is Silver Girl Laugh? I got Sil... Silra Girl Laugh. Silver Girl Laugh. I do not know why dragons all need to have very long names with extra syllables in the middle of them. My my old tongue doesn't necessarily wrap its way around all of that. Uh, Wait, do, very do, well. do I know what that is? Do, can I roll and check to see you why they have such long names? So you live a long time, you just kind of get names added on. Uh, it's it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of a title thing. It's a little bit of an ego thing. And it is also a cultural thing. Hmm. Dragons tend to have very long names. They often have titles as well. You know, the the Great White One, the Destroyer of of you know whatever. Uh, depending on what kind of dragon they are, they also do seem to have a lot of hidden R's. In, in their names, and you're not exactly sure why you think that might have something to do with... Do you speak Draconic? Oh, yeah. Then you think it probably has something to do with the Draconic language. The translation. There's, Got it. Yeah. Well, and, and not like a name has a translation, but just the way that Draconic is spoken and the, the accents and the 
the placement of the the R's in there, you think that's that's just something about how that happens. So, but it's not like those names directly have a translation. Um, they are names just like, you know, any of yours. But yes, every dragon that you've ever heard of, and all of you know this, every dragon you've ever heard of, uh, none of them are called like Barry. All of them have three to four syllables at the least. So it's Barry. Yeah, but this this one is very specifically, and if you'll hold on a second, I will give you... She's read about this name, so she can actually give you Silragurlath, S-I-L-R-A-E-G-E-R-L-U-T-H. Ray. That, that was, uh, yeah, I had it wrong, too. I wasn't too far off. Uh, I was not spelling that right in any way, shape, or form. She's pronouncing it as a Silragurlath, if that helps, but... I wrote it phonetically. <laughs> I always write your things phonetically. Yeah, well, you know, and it's pretty close, but you could see there's that that a couple R's in there, and the you know R A E. She's going oh, Silra girl laugh, yeah, uh, yeah, and she calls him a a gargantuan topaz dragon. Well, uh, you are welcome to stay as long as you need. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything else we can help with this mission of yours i know quat has offered to take you as far as he can but none of us have been very far past where the volcano is because it is dangerous to go that far to that end of the island on the one side is the dragon and the other side is the rock and neither of those are things that we care to contend with so there's not much we can do once you've gone there as far as we are concerned, there's no hurry, but, you know, I, I can sense your impatience. There are, there's a timetable here. So definitely if there's anything that you can think of that we can help with, please let any of us know. But there's, you're welcome to stay as long as you like. Buck, I had a thought. Um, the, uh, the records we have here, is there any accounts of encounters or secondhand accounts of encounters with the dragon? I mean, it might be worth, might not be nothing, anything, but it wouldn't hurt for me to review them and to see if there's anything rings a bell. Well, let me think for... I know there's been encounters on a regular basis. That's how we've gotten the the name of the dragon. That's how we know that at least he is uh, more interested in stuff than people or talking and is not so overtly aggressive. But let me think for a moment. I'm just going to make a roll. Ooh, okay. She thinks for about 10 seconds... Uh, mulling over to herself and you can almost see her cataloging the stories that she has read in in her mind just like one by one by one and her eyes narrow for a second and she says the story that i got his name from let me pull that out for a second and she walks back to the books and scans through and it takes a few minutes as her knowledge of the stories is not quite as encyclopedic as her knowledge of the years and it takes her about 10 to 15 minutes to find the right book with the story and she pulls it out and um what you see because all of these books if you remember are accountings of 
the different ships and people who have arrived. They're basically a running log of the years and decades of the people who have been washed ashore and any information that they can provide in case there was ever, say, people who arrived who were looking for something or looking for someone. She mentions again, because I can't remember if I mentioned this the first time, she was able to find the Olam Harp came in on a ship that was brought through and destroyed about 372 years ago. And I think she mentioned this in the first time you talked to her and she pulled this up. That ship's name was the Picardy Third. It was a... Uh, there were seven survivors. It was hundreds of years ago. Um, but the Olam Harp was listed as one of the items on the ship, which is how you all know that either the dragon has it or it's just lost in the endless expanse of, of ocean. So she pulls up a book and turns to a ship called the Mulgrave. And this ship was brought through and destroyed 670 years ago. And uh, what's listed is 48 survivors. This was a very, very large ship. She describes it as a galleon that most of the ship actually survived the trip. Actually, what I'll I'll just say this as her. Why don't I just be her? Yeah, so the Mulgrave was a, a very large ship. Uh, they call it a galleon, and they said that um, actually most of the crew survived, and the ship itself mostly survived. Apparently, after it was plundered by Silver Gurlath, they wandered the ocean for many days before they found the isle, and and then beached here and i believe there's actually uh one of the piers and a couple of of our oldest boats are made out of the remnants of the mulgrave but because they were all made out of really high quality wood that could withstand the the ocean and the water and the that's the story that we heard from well we uh my one of my great, 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 great predecessors heard as the dragon actually did negotiate a bit with the captain. Oh, it says here negotiate and then in parentheses they've put threaten. So I, apparently it was it was at least at first uh, an offer and then eventually a do as I say or I will I will destroy you kind of thing. Kind of thing. Excuse me. Oh. Was the fish. Hmm. The and that's where they were able to get the name of this dragon. Up until then, it had just been this topaz dragon flying around. But this was the first major encounter that anyone had had that uh, they had a chance to talk. And it sounds like from the notes that are here, the dragon only talked to them because of the size of the ship and the the amount of crew that survived. And it seemed like there the captain of the ship actually mentions here that they they considered saying no to asking for the tithe and fighting back even though he still says that this was a very very large dragon and he was worried uh they were eventually able to negotiate and and come to some sort of agreement because he was worried that they would lose more of the crew but at least that's though the one time that there was a discussion it's actually really good to know thank you I'm I'm not sure how much it helps. I don't have a galleon and 48 crew members to offer you, but uh, apparently 
at least the dragon thought it was worth talking for a little bit before attacking. Do we know what the dragon negotiated for? Like, what items he got in exchange for ceasing his attack? Uh, yes. It looks like anything in the hold... Uh, yeah, it looks like any, uh, precious gems or jewels. It looks like most of the gold in the hold. Uh, spices. Travis, of course, answered everything. Just keep reading. <laughs> Just keep reading. Just keep reading. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks like a lot of the, the, the more precious items, the obvious stuff, but the dragon also wanted the, the biggest cannon that they had. The, the front of the ship had a figurehead on it that it wanted as well, even though it was damaged in the storm coming through. Uh, the, the Mulgrave had a, a carved unicorn head and mane on the front of the, the ship. And the horn had been broken off. And so it just looked like a really fancy horse. But the captain said that of the things that the dragon refused to part, refused to leave without taking, the one of the biggest cannons they had and the front of the ship that included that, that figurehead. So it did want some very valuable stuff. It took a lot of, a lot of the things you'd expect, but it also took a cannon and a broken horse? It's no accounting for tastes, I suppose. He did say it was a very nice figurehead before it got destroyed in the he's it says here in the in the accounting, he called it a destroyed figurehead, which kinda makes sense. I mean, if you commission a unicorn and the horn breaks off and all you got left is a fancy horse, then it's kind of a destroyed thing. Hmm. Trophy. Any number of ways to analyze that, but Interesting to know that dragon is interested in some very dragon-like things and some not very dragon-like things. Gives us a good amount of insight, actually. Thanks again for uh, for bringing this up. I'm happy to help. If I think of any other stories that would be helpful, uh, I'll, I'll let you know. But that's that's one of the major ones because most of the time, as I said, he just shows up and plunders and leaves. He doesn't talk to anybody and no one's been to his lair. So I hope this helps. I think it does. Thanks again. Sure thing. And is there anything else any of you would like to talk or ask Guara? And if not, she will offer you all some water before you leave, and you are all let back out into the later afternoon of the town. It is still a gorgeous day outside, and the day, the rest of the day is yours. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash dungeondrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Magic Dance, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.